a lot of the companies that we're meeting with, and we start talking to them around the risk of identity management, or more importantly, the risk around authentication, they still don't know who has access to what on, on some certain levels. But more importantly, they can't even tell when users are authenticating in. Okay, welcome. This is Todd Nielsen with the CISO Hotline podcast. And today, our guest is Ryder Gaston. I'm excited about having Ryder here on our podcast and uh, to talk about cybersecurity. And uh, so Ryder comes, uh, we've been friends, Ryder and I have been friends for quite some time, but Ryder, he's currently the, the VP of sales for PIN, a two-factor multi-factor authentication company. And we're going to have Ryder talk to us a bit more about that, obviously, and what he does there. Uh, he has been a cybersecurity professional for a number of years, working with companies like uh, CA Technologies, but most recently RSA Security, where he was the director of identity sales for the Americas, um, as well as managing multiple sales teams and positioning all of the wonderful RSA security tools. But has a uh, long career in cybersecurity, including uh, background in forensics and other um, capabilities within our in our space. So welcome, Ryder. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me, Todd. So tell me, uh, tell me what your role is at PIN, man. What, what's what's going on there, and and how's things? Yeah, absolutely. Things are good. We um, I came over to PIN about ten months ago, and I am the uh, you know running the sales team and kind of helping run the operations for this startup company. Uh, one of the things that attracted me kind of joining PIN is it was a you know young group of group of guys, very intelligent, and trying to change the way that we use multi-factor authentication today and make it kind of more consumable. Um, or authentication the way the consumer wants to have it, uh, but still also provide that additional level of security for organizations to make sure that they, you know, meet compliance mandates, regulations, stuff like that. Um, we've, uh, you know, doing quite well. We've got a couple of customers live now, so it's an early stage startup, but uh, hoping to really disrupt the industry over the next uh, couple of years. Excellent. So 2FA has been hacked. Now what? Yeah, so that's the beauty. I mean, if you go back and look at, uh, let's say, standard 2FA when it first came out was the SMS or text, right? We've already proven that that could be compromised pretty easy. The next thing was the OTP or the one-time password, the, the rolling code that you see on so many different devices that are out there. Now they've proven that that can be compromised as well. Um, so really, if, if you've been compromised, you have to look at what those additional factors are. And you can't tell, like if you're an employee, it's okay to say, hey, you're going to have to take five steps to authenticate in. It's part of your job. You're used to it. But when you're talking about your consumer and how to access their money, their health care, their information, they don't want to go through five steps. They want to be secure, but they want to get there in a very seamless process uh, and, and have low fric friction to that entire process. So, you know, what we're recommending to a lot of organizations is, hey, we can actually create a PKI signature very specific to the individual uh, when they enroll uh, into the authentication platform. Uh, we can leverage all the local modalities that's on a, a mobile device, so whether it be face, uh, um, you know, fingerprint, um, iris, all the different factors that are playing in some of the voice as well, which voice is not ideal yet because it can be easily, you know, replicated. And then what we do is in the background, we passively layer on additional factors that the consumer never sees. So if you've been breached, if you've been compromised, and you're looking for another answer, you've got to look at those organizations like PIN that are bringing frictionless authentication to the market in a very uh, quick fashion. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, that's great. So obviously, we need to change the uh, paradigm a bit to make sure that um, one users will use it, like you said, and uh, yep. and two, it's it's secure. So that's excellent. So I have a question for you. I think it might be a little loaded because <laughs> you may answer it <laughs> how I think you might answer it. But uh, you know, CISOs always have to prioritize. You know, the risks over cost. They don't have unlimited budgets. So if you had money 
for one security project this year, what would it be? You know, that's, uh, you're right. That is a loaded question, especially for what I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, I still think that visualization, uh, visualization and awareness uh, is very lacking uh, inside organizations. So a lot of the companies that we're meeting with, when we start talking to them around the risk of identity management, or more importantly, the risk around authentication, they still don't know who has access to what on, on some certain levels. But more importantly, they can't even tell when users are authenticating in. So I could come in and I could provide you the best authentication on the planet with PIN, but that still doesn't mean that you don't know if it's really writer that's logging in or is writer logging at the appropriate time or gaining appropriate access to the right you know, information inside that organization. So I think that there's still a big gap when it comes to understanding um, you know, the visualization uh, of your environment, understanding what quantifies risk inside the organization um, and how to appropriately pull in an assessment from a proper group that can come in and say, hey, here's everything you have going on. Here's an easy way to consume that. Now that's layer security, effective security over the top of that. Otherwise, you're just you're just throwing money at a problem. You don't even know what the problem is. I agree with you. You know, obviously, from a visibility perspective, uh, you know, training, security awareness training, that's always uh, good because users are the are the problem here. In fact, when you're talking about two factor, it, all you're doing is adding enhancement to users, right? I mean, in the reality, it's still identity. And so, uh, yeah, I agree with you. So understanding what they need to do. So um, a, kind of, a weird question off the wall, maybe a little bit, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because <laughs> we want to know who Ryder is. So if you had 10 million bucks in the bank, personally had 10 million bucks, you're with a startup, uh, early stage startup, if you had 10 million bucks, what would you do with it? Um, you know, it, it is kind of a, a loaded question. Um, I would love to say, oh, yeah, I'd retire. But you know me, that's not what I would do. I We have a big focus, my family does, on helping veterans, especially disabled veterans. One of my dreams is to buy a bunch of land, put a bunch of those micro homes on it, and be able to provide housing for veterans that uh, are in transition, uh, you know, from combat to trying to find a job. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, and make that property kind of self-sufficient so you can farm on it. We'll have, you know, water on it. And those people have to contribute to the community to stay there. But it's a transition process to get them acclimated back to the civilian life and to find them appropriate jobs uh, to, to then move out on their own to their own apartment. That would be step one. Step two is um, I, I would absolutely um, find you know, the right company um, to that's going to be disruptive to the market and invest in that organization and go find a couple of companies to really, you know, prove that there's a problem in this industry that we keep looking away from around, I personally think, authentication mm. and, uh, and and kind of get that launched and launched at the level that it needs to be. Excellent. You know, the, the reward comes in giving back, right? I mean, it really, it yep. really does. That's what life, life tends to be about. Excellent. Well, good. So let's get let's get more down to reality a little bit. So Yep. You, you're a crazy worker, alcoholic, workaholic, alcoholic, workaholic. Alcoholic. <laughs> I don't know about the alcohol. I don't about that. I, I, I'm kind of doubting it, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I know you're a workaholic. But if you had an extra five hours, just five hours a week, that's all you got to, to plug in. What would you do with it? Yeah, you know, it'd be everything about making life better, right? And whether it's my life, my family's life, friends' lives, just general lives. And it also comes down to when you're looking at talking to organizations, mm -hmm. so often we get into the habit of talking to customers about what their problems are, but not what their problems impact, right? And, you know, a good example is I had a CISO I was working with one time, and I could not figure out 
how their projects were aligning to what some of the problems were that he was saying. And what it, what it really came down to at the end was, listen, I'm putting in an extra you know 30 hours a week in my job because of this problem. That takes away from my family life, and that's putting strain on my family. Plus, it's causing strain on my communication with my superiors. If we can solve these problems, it's going to reduce my overall stress and make the quality of work even better. And it kind of came back into that kind of the law of diminishing returns, right? If you can do the right work the right way, you're going to get the best bang for the buck. And I think that's what's important is taking that five hours a week and really finding out what's going to give the best return on investment for each you know specific individual that you're working with. Okay, so really help people with balance. I mean, at the end of the day, exactly. it comes with life balance, and and it's not just work and work and life balance. I mean, there's, in my opinion, you got the financial, you got the physical, you got the emotional, yep. you got all the all the things that you have to, to balance. So that's that's a good point. Okay, so if you had to create a security program, which I know you have done in many cases for many companies around the world, but you want to make it easy. What, what would a security program like a very easy, I'm a small business CEO or CIO, and I need to make my security program easy. What would that look like? What would you do with it? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, uh, I'm really big on the visibility aspect because again, too often, organizations say, oh, we're going to build a security program, we're going to put a firewall in, we're going to, we're going to put this um, IDS in, we're going to put this antivirus in, or this malware detection, or forensics tool, you know, all these different things they start plugging in, but they stop mapping what they're trying to accomplish to the goal of the organization, and really taking the time to say, okay, here's our goal, here's the problems we have. How do you map the gaps to that goal or to, you know, to, to, to close that gap quickly and then putting a reverse timeline that to really understand what's going on. And you can't do that without visualization, right? You need to be able to step back, really understand what's taking place in the organization and just stop throwing the spaghetti at fridge and see what sticks, right? That doesn't work anymore. Um, I think that if you're going to build a security program, you've got to take your time, truly understand the organizational goals, and then do a reverse engineer the problems back into what those goals are, and then allocate time to that to figure out what it's going to take to solve those. Stop just buying stuff. Stop throwing bodies at it, you know, really going with a strong plan to get that done. So, you know, the, I guess that's the long answer. The short answer is making sure that everyone has accountability, reporting up to a centralized kind of visualization to say, okay, we have this problem. Who owns that problem? What does this problem impact? And what does it take to re remediate? It's got to be quick. Um, and it's got to be kind of root cause. It can't just be no more shooting from the hip. Right. Oh, excellent. So for, for those of you out in podcast land, I did not set that up specifically with Ryder. But what? But with our one of our <laughs> sponsors, which is Risk International, they have a process oh. that does exactly that, which is um, what they call the SBA seven, uh, the Security uh, Business Alignment seven areas in in, in business alignment. Uh, first, get your house in order, map cybersecurity to your business risks and areas, and understand what the impact is to your users, your clients, your vendors, etc., your, your providers and partners. Once you understand what the plan is, then you can go buy those tools. Most companies, like to Ryder's point, they go out, they look at the operational need, the tools, and they put these tools in place, and then they go, okay, how is this going to solve some problems? And we just spent I mean, half a million bucks on crap, right? So um, absolutely, I agree with you. Let's let's move from a business side first uh, and do the operational later on. Um, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, so, Ryder, how do you quantify successful security? What, what, what makes security successful? Someone said, hey, we have a successful program. So we, we just said, how do we make a program easy? How would you, if you went into a client, they said, ah, we're covered, right? We're good. 
How would you, uh, yep. which we know that we both know they're lying if they say that, but how would you quantify successful security? It really comes down to is, is knowing the unknown, right? And, and what I mean by that is having the processes in place to deal with everything that's going to come up um, that makes people not do knee-jerk reaction, right? A successful security program should be one where, hey, something comes up. We have a process in place to deal with that. Don't everybody start freaking out. Don't start scrambling because when you start doing things too quickly, uh, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to over. You're going to over. Um, not see um, the root cause of what's causing those problems. So it's having those processes and procedures in place and, and kind of awareness in place that says, if this happens, we know this is what the response is going to be. And part of that process has got to be, hey, we're going to organize the proper team to sit back, have a, a, a conversation, really kind of brainstorm this, and then have a, a plan of attack to go forward. So process is everything in a successful security um, program. I agree. And who likes to do process? Nobody raises their hand. Um, right? <laughs> exactly. That's why nobody, that's why they, a lot of these security programs, would you agree that are unsuccessful because they don't do the easy, the easy stuff that they don't want to do, i.e. policies, procedures, processes. Um, I don't know about you, but most technical and security guys like us, we want to get our hands dirty and do the sexy stuff and catch the, yep. catch the hackers and all that kind of, but real successful security is boring. <laughs> yep. You know, it really does. Well, yeah. And if you take a look at like NIST or ITIL, you know, these frameworks that are out there, yep. those are guides. You should understand those guides extremely well and how you lay those guides down against your organization. But you're going to have to make variances to that guide to customize it specifically for what you do. And I think a lot of organizations, especially in mid-America, say, oh, we're going to follow this framework but don't really know how to apply that framework to what they, they have in their organization. Right. There's a big gap between the applicability to their business and what the technical guys are doing on the ground. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, put those together is definitely the secret to that. Well, excellent. So a non-security question, but it could be if you, it's up to you. But being, <laughs> being in your early stage startup, um, if you're working on a startup or somebody that's listening is working on a startup, what do you focus on first? What what would improve the business as much as possible? The one or two things that a startup should do, and it doesn't have to be cyber related, but I just want to get that insight from you. What do you seek that startups need to do better or could do? Yeah, this is that's a great one. So, you know, I'm doing it right now. Uh, you know, I came over from a very large organization running a, a national and a global team, and it was very clear what the goals were and what the direction was. And uh, we kind of built those throughout the years of being there and then coming to kind of help out the startup really kind of launch themselves. You know, one of the key things you have to look at is, you know, what's your goal? Are they really defined? And do you have the proper steps to get to those goals? So really understanding the difference between a short-term, mid-term, long-term goal and defining those, those uh, characteristics to each one of those is very important. And then from there, you know, being able to use smart time, you know, being able to allocate the proper time metrics to get there. So it, you, what you see in the startup world is, is it, it, it's true, but not true. Everybody says, oh, you got to wear multiple hats. Well, that's true but you can't wear multiple hats at the same time. You have to complete a task properly based upon alignment to your goals. And if you lose sight of those goals at any given point in time, you're just going to run awry. You're going to be doing something that doesn't contribute to the success, the success of the organization. And it's going to cause a, um, you know, a loss of any kind of value during that time. And time is the most important thing you have when it comes to a startup. So, you know, I would say that you really got to be very laser focused on what your goals are knowing, understanding the steps that it takes to get to those goals and not deviating from it all. Now, you might adjust. You might have to, um, I, 
you know, I say adjust, you know, you know, modify some of those goals or even add goals or take a little bit of the, the small goals out to get to the main goal, you know, part of those steps, part of those processes. But that that's okay as long as you keep that, that goal in sight that you, you know, you set the target for originally. I agree with you. That's, that's excellent. So fo- get set goals and focus on them. That could be the best thing, you know, in your opinion, that a startup should do. And, I, and it, I bet you're struggling with this personally because knowing who you are, you have an excellent deep technical background, but you're in a sales role. So my guess is your yep. company is going to say, okay, do some CISO work over here because you're a security expert. Do some of this work over here. Oh, and by the way, go sell some stuff and bring in revenue, which is your real job, right? <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and I, and I know CISOs are going to struggle with that, around, not only in startups, but I've seen a lot of CISOs focusing on cyber, but they get pulled into DevOps. They get pulled into operational. They get pulled into, of course, politics and managing people and business, the HR of managing teams. So... I think it goes goes across the board. If you're a CISO, focus on your goals. That's good advice. Focus on your goals and and get things done. You know, living there is. I learned two really good lessons in life. One of them came from a uh, a four year old, and it was a four year old that all they ever said was why. <laughs> That's one thing as a CISO or, or a director in any organization, you need to be able to ask why. Okay, why are we doing that? Okay, why is that the goal? You know, why are we going that direction? And then the last thing I, I uh, the, the second thing I learned was from somebody that was uh, in their early 90s. And I was explaining to them all these things that we had done and things we're accomplishing. And he goes, so what? <laughs> like, well, how do I combat so what? And it really kind of brought it back to home. It's like, well, why are you doing this? You know, why why are we doing these tasks? And if you accomplish that, is it like really hitting your goal or so what? You didn't get any kind of value out of that, right? It didn't drive the organization in the direction you needed to. So it's really kind of, you know, understanding why you do it, but also being able to put that gravity to it on the, the end of it as well. I agree. You have to look at the outcome almost first of why you're doing something. What What's the end goal? And to, to your point earlier, that's why a startup business needs to set the goals and stick to it. Um, and, and then so backing up to that, ask the why you set the goals in the first place and then stick to it, right? Um, that's a very good point. Okay, man, we're, we're pushing our time frame um, on our format. I have one last question for you. I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's a, it's a layup. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite book and, and why did you read it? What's, what's the result? Well, you know me. I am a self-help guy. I love, you know, I travel a lot on planes. So I like listening to books or reading books while I travel. Uh, the last one I read was uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willems. I'm not sure if you've ever read that book. It's incredible. Um, and uh, it's just a great kind of leadership tool of really how to own your processes and own the organization, truly own it, and not deflect any type of responsibility to anyone else. Uh, he's a former Navy SEAL commander, so it's a phenomenal book. And um, the, the next book that I'm going to reread is actually at uh, Sung Tzu and uh, Machiavelli, um, the kind of um, leadership secrets that are combined between those two. Oh. It's a phenomenal book as well. I'm going to reread that one. Interesting. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for your time today, but I really appreciate you. Uh, talking to our CISO community and uh, giving us your advice. And uh, I'll let you go because it's time to go fishing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.